Our first reading is from Acts 16, 9 through 15. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, um, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Nepolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to, river, to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and sat down and spoke to the woman who had home there. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatria, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what we said by Paul, and after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we, and we were by nature children of wrath, and like the rest of like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised, up, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places of Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is, not, and this is of not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We've journeyed a ways with those people. Um, when they shot those videos, it was cold outside. And the truth is, uh, as we've walked with them, we've seen some things that we identify with, and you've probably seen some things you're glad you don't identify with. And, and tonight, we're really focusing in on that, what it means to fit in, what it means to belong. It's a need that we all have. How do we fit in? Where do we fit in? What does that mean? Uh, I, I was all prepared tonight to talk about uh, the TV show Cheers, right? Cheers, we're talking about a place to fit in, but this past week I read a news article that I couldn't pass up because this is my favorite week in Indianapolis. Next weekend I'll be worshiping race cars along with 300,000 of my closest friends. And so it's all about the Indianapolis 500. And I saw this perfect article that fit the sermon. And it was about the, the members of the uh, four-time Champions Club. Right? Those are the four four-time winners of the Indianapolis 500. And the newest one is the one who's all the way over on the left, Elio Castroneves. Right? And he won last year to be a part of the four-win club. Well, they asked Rick Mears, who's standing right next to him, 
to the Borg Warner Trophy, between the Borg Warner Trophy and Elio Castanervis is Rick Mears. They asked Rick Mears this week, are you supporting Elio in his bid to win a fifth? And his response, completely deadpan, was, I do not support this. <laughs> and then, of course, he burst out laughing. But then he said this. He said, Elio, you better be careful what you wish for. Right? I'm going to read the exact quote. Be careful what you wish for. If you win your fifth, we're going to kick you out of the club. And when we do, you'll have no one to hang out with, so be careful. Fits perfectly with belonging. Right? What would you do to belong? Belonging is a need that we all have. It's a need that we have always all had. In fact, from the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 2, when God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, and he created a helpmate. He created a company. He created someone to be with him. We are not meant to be alone. And it shouldn't surprise us then that others have tested this theory. If you went through some kind of educational psychology or psychology program in college, inevitably you took a class where you learned about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And after our basic needs of food and safety, the very next thing is the need to belong. As human beings, we need to belong. And there are ways to belong. In fact, the world makes offers to us, makes all kinds of offers to us, offers to come and fit in. And that's what the text speaks about today. It says, come, join in. And as you join in, you're doing so according to the things of the flesh. Come, join, be a part of the world, fit in, be a part of the cool kids. The more that you do these things, the more you will belong, the more you will fit in. It calls them the things of the flesh. Sermon tonight, obviously, in mixed company needs to stay G. But you know what that means. It means come and do those things which feel good, which gratify you. But it's not just those things, you see. It's also all of the other things that the flesh chases after. All the other things that are, that are plentiful in our world and the things that just can't get enough of. We can bring this far closer to home when we talk about the lust for stuff and wanting to have more, right? What do we call it? Keeping up with the Joneses. If my neighbor has, then I want. And if that person that I work with, if they got the new, then I want the new. It's stuff. It's food, right? The plentiful that we have. And to say, but I want more. I want more of that. And, it, and then we can keep going, right, with the things that the flesh craves, things like prestige. We want people to know that we're good. We want people to know that we're important. And what about power? Think of how many people have been brought down by the quest and lust for power, for more and more. And the more of these that you have, and the more of all of these that you have, the more you fit in. In fact, we idolize people who go to excess. I, I always read aggregate news sources that have you know, news from all sorts of different places on it. And I'm struck by the amount of headlines that talk about a celebrity who's selling their house and come see inside Tom Hanks' $30 million mansion. Why do I want to do that? Why do I care where Tom Hanks used to live? 
It's because it's this grandiose house. It must be spectacular. I must want to be like that. I must want more. So many of the messages we receive from this world are exactly this. So many of these messages. But the truth is, these things are empty. They will run out. The truth is, at the end of the meal, there's always an end to the meal. The truth is, at the end of all of these lusts of the flesh, all of these things from power to other things, there's always a finite amount. They always will run out, and we will always be left yearning for more. We will always be left looking and seeing that someone else has more. And yet in the midst of this empty pursuit, the world is saying, keep going, keep trying, keep getting more, and then you'll fit in. If you get enough, then we'll truly admire you. The more we see this, and the more we view them from the world's perspective, the farther away from God we get. And so we have to stop looking at them from the ways of the world and instead get God's perspective on them, which is spoken of here in Ephesians chapter 2. And from God's perspective, these things aren't just lusts of the flesh that should be avoided. In fact, he says those who indulge in these are three things. First of all, they're called sons of obedience. Secondly, they're called children of wrath. Now, those two things alone, if you set aside for a second that they sound like heavy metal rock bands, those things alone would be bad enough. But the truth is, there's a third one that's spoken of. It says that those who indulge this way are dead. Dead in their trespasses and sins. Sons of disobedience, children of wrath, dead people. Doesn't sound all that appealing. And yet the world's offer still stands. And the world continues to try to color it in, to beautify it, to liven it up, to suggest that this ought to be the pursuit of your life and that this is truly the way that you will fit in. Do it, and you'll belong. You'll have fulfilled that need that you had. Is that really where you want to belong? Because the truth is, it's a path of nothingness. I worked for two summers when I was in college at one of our Lutheran camps in upstate New York, Camp Sunrise. Unfortunately, it's now closed. It's up in the Adirondack Mountains, up by Lake Placid. We had kids that came up from New York City primarily, took the four-hour journey up there into the mountains. And it was a great retreat, a quiet place, a place to come and get away from all that was normal and to experience something totally different, to experience some time with Jesus. And it was a great experience. It was a great experience for me as a young man growing in that environment and being able to care for others and care for for kids. And I had one week, one particular week, when I had three kids who were friends who came together. And these kids will forever be burned in my memory because after a couple of days of camp, they, well, all campers did this. After a couple of days of camp, the kids really start to trust you. And they realize you've kept them alive and you've kept them safe this long, so you must be all right. And every evening, our evening would end, whatever time it was, 10, 11 o'clock with devotions around the campfire. Then all the kids would have some free time before they went to bed. But these three kids, I don't know if it was the second night, the third night, I don't remember what night it was. They stuck around to talk to me and my friend. 
They trusted us for a moment. And what they told me, I'll never forget. They had to make a decision at 12 years old, by the end of the summer, whether to join a gang. And I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm saying, why on earth would a 12-year-old ever want to join a gang? Why on earth should you ever have to make this decision, first of all? And why should you have to make this decision when you're 12 years old? i got to tell you right now, I have a 12-year-old son. And I can't fathom him trying to make that decision. And so I asked him questions. Again, I myself was only 19 years old at the time. And I asked him questions. I said, well, why don't you just not join? And they said, you can't not join, not where we're from. Because if you don't join, they all come for you. If you don't join, there's no safety. At least if you join and you go through the initiation and you make it through the initiation, at least you know you'll always have someone who's got your back. What were they talking about? They needed a place to belong. They needed someone, something to make them feel safe. I wish I could tell you I knew what happened to those three, but I don't. To the best of my knowledge, I've never seen them or heard from them again. Not after that summer. I don't know whether they joined or not. But I know that even in that story, you can hear the promises that the world makes. And while we might hear them differently, the lie is the same. If you go this path, then you'll fit in. And if you fit in, then you'll be safe. There's got to be another way. There's got to be a different way to fit in that's not so destructive. And the truth is, there is. In fact, it's spoken of in our text for today. It's the way of God. And God says this, you belong to me. And you belong to me, just as I said with the kids, whether you're a shiny penny or a penny that's been run over a few times in the parking lot. You belong to God. Listen to the way that the text speaks of this. Listen to the way it speaks of what God has done for us. It says God is rich in mercy. And remember, mercy is not receiving the punishment that we deserve. It says God is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. God is rich in mercy, and he loved us with a great love. By grace you have been saved. Even when you were dead in your trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Alive together with Christ. That we are no longer sons of darkness. We are no longer dead people, but instead are very much alive in Jesus. And then saved by grace. And remember the difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is not getting the punishment you deserve. Grace is getting the gifts that you don't deserve. A God who is rich in mercy, who loves you with a great love, and now who lavishes grace upon you. It's by grace that you've been saved. But he doesn't just stop with that. Instead, he continues, and raised us up with him, that is Jesus, and seated us with him, that is Jesus, in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, what he's saying here is that God did all of this, and he did it all for you. And then the text concludes, this is a gift of God. Not of your own works. In other words, you didn't buy it. You didn't choose it. You didn't pick it out. You didn't build it. God did it for you. And he did it, why? Because of his grace, his love, and his mercy. He did it, why? Because he wants you to belong to him. And this is what God wants for you. To declare that you are not alone. 
that you are in Jesus. And it would be easy just to stop with that and to say that's the end of what the text says. It would be easy for God simply to stop there, but that's not the end of the text. On the contrary, that would neglect an important part of this text. And I would urge you to read this on your own. Ephesians chapter two, and you will see this. It's always speaking of us and we. It's always saying that God loved us, that God saved us, that God calls us, that we are now his children and his people. And why does that language matter? It's because he doesn't only call you to be in a relationship with him. He doesn't only say that you belong to him. He says, now I'm calling you into a community of other believers where we together are loved and saved, where we together walk in Jesus, where we now belong to a community, a community that's not built on lies, a community that's not finite, a community that dwells eternally with Jesus, even to the heavenly realms. You are not alone, God says. And when he says that, he's inviting you to walk with others. There's no need for us as Christians to live in fear of the world. In fact, on the contrary, God invites us to live by faith. And we learn in Jesus that it's safe to go against the world's pleasures. It's safe for us to walk a different path and to seek different pursuits, to know that we are safe in Jesus is what we declare when we say that we are saved. When we say that salvation is ours, a free gift, it means that we are safe in Jesus. Now also understand something. Being safe with Jesus and belonging to God puts you at odds with the sons of this world. It means that there will be conflict in your life. It means that we have to understand what the promises of God truly are, that our safety isn't immunity from the disobedience of those who oppose God. In fact, listen to what Jesus himself said. In this world you will have trouble. But what else does he say? Take heart, I have overcome the world. Or as Jesus speaks again in Matthew chapter 10, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, what is he declaring? His power is greater than any power in the world. His power is what keeps you safe to have confidence in this life and the next and to know that you belong to him. It's a new pattern of belonging. A new pattern that's different than the lies of the world because it's built in the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, in this world, when you see something that resonates with you, and you see something, a place where you belong, you immediately think, oh, I'm like that, right? You immediately think, oh, you must be like me, right? It's the stuff of being a fan. When you're a fan, right, when you're at a game, what happens? You're surrounded by people that you don't know, but if they're wearing the same colors as you are, you have no trouble turning around and giving someone a high five as if you were the person that just scored a touchdown. Now, think of how, in some ways, absurd that is. Right? You didn't score the touchdown. You're not on the field. You didn't have anything to do to impact the outcome of that game. Not only that, you don't know the person behind you. You've never met them before, and you will probably never run across them again. And yet in that excitement, in that moment, because you are together sharing that experience, because you're wearing the same colors, you say, ah, this person must be like me. 
It's true of the dark ways of the world too. When we see all of the patterns of things that happen around us, it's easy to say, ah, those people are just like me. And not only that, it's easy for the world to look at you and say, ah, you're just like me. And on one level, that would be true. And so those words can become dismissive. There's nothing you can say to me. You're just like me. But you're not. There is a difference. You belong to Jesus. And so, yes, you are just like everyone else. We confessed our sins at the beginning of worship today, and we will continue to do, do so throughout our lives. You are just like everybody else, trapped in this journey of faith that is entangled with sin. But there is a difference. And the difference is in forgiveness. It's in recognizing your sins before God, receiving the gift that he has earned for us. And so we might struggle the same and be tempted the same and live in the same world, but we are not the same. That's what verse 10 is about, that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. You see, we're called to walk in all of the good stuff that God's prepared for us. We're called not just to be saved and to be safe. We're called not just to hang out in the fortress of the church, We're called not just to be safe and hidden from the rest of the world. No, we're called to go out into the world doing good works. And for those of you that are lifelong Lutherans, don't worry. We believe in good works too. It means that we're out doing these things of love for our neighbor. It means we're showing them that there's a different way. It means by our good works, we demonstrate the work of God in us. And by this, we demonstrate who we are. Different but not alone. You see, brothers and sisters, God has called us to a certain truth. He has gathered us into Jesus Christ to give us gifts which never run out or end. Gifts that allow us to enjoy our daily lives. Gifts that allow us to become different in the world. Ones who, when we get entangled by sin, know the the place, the source of our forgiveness. Ones who abide in mercy and love and grace, and ones who know that this wonderful need of ours has been met. And as that truth becomes evident, you know this. Brothers and sisters, you belong. You belong to the family of God. You belong to Jesus Christ. You belong, and you are safe in Jesus. For his glory, amen. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, how good it is that you call us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We pray, Lord, that as we live, you would walk with us each day, that we would know and abide in your presence. And not only that, Lord, but that we have brothers and sisters who walk with us to know that we are not alone, but instead are renewed in you. Lord, may our works be works that resonate with others, that they would see the good things that we do and know that we are truly people of forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that are ours for the truth of knowing that we belong to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.